But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> so the woman shot the drone. She shot the drone. She shot down a drone. Now, I do not approve. Uh, four, four more and she's an ace. Yeah, I know. She shot the drone, <laughs> but she did not pop the operator. I, I'm quick to point out here that I do not approve of this kind of behavior, although I kind of understand it. You know, it's like... Well, it, you remember the, the, the meme on the internet a couple of years ago when Amazon announced they were going to be delivering uh, a purchases goods, uh, distributing them via drone, Yeah, was um, ski shooting with prizes yeah right it's very well and so we're, this is a we're looking at a story the the story i'm looking at here anyways is from uh, um our favorite aviation publication ours technica it's not at all an aviation publication it's actually a pretty good tech and other things publication headline says uh, woman shoots drone and then a quote it hovered for a few for a second and i blasted it to smithereens <laughs> she right she says uh this is a uh, first graph uh, uh, with a single shotgun blast. A 65-year-old woman in rural northern Virginia recently shot down a drone flying over her property. And it's like, you go, girl. <laughs> kinda, I guess. I mean, no, don't be shooting at av at aircraft. Well, no, no, this is not right. <laughs> she like, wants to unload a 20 gator. Uh, no, she, she has a 410 and a 20. She wants to shoot at my airplane at 500 or 1,000 feet with a 20 gauge shotgun. Be my guest. No, I'm sorry. Okay, you apparently know more about these things than I do, but I just think, think, think no. But it's like. When we first started the phone call earlier, I was laughing, and and I told you I'd tell you why I was laughing. I was laughing because I had just read the third <laughs> graph of this story. All right, the third graph of this story starts out: the woman told ours that she had just returned from church one Sunday morning and was cleaning her two shotguns right on the porch. It's like this after church activity there in Northern Virginia is to clean your two shotguns. Uh, she said she had a clear view of the mountains uh, and her neighbor's property. Uh, Apparently, I don't know, I'm just paraphrasing and guessing now, but she apparently, uh, she's young and had seen two men set up a card table on what she described as a turnaround place of the country road. Jason has, I don't know, I'm not going to read the whole story. All I know is that I, she I, saw drones and she shot them after, you know, because they interrupted her from her uh, Sunday after church gun cleaning session. Yeah, I, I have a, a t-shirt that says, I can't go to work today. The voices are telling me to stay home and clean the guns. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, how against the uh, law is it? You can't shoot a drone. That's not right. I mean, that's like... I mean, dude, that's out, that's out in the county in Virginia. That's, that's fuck your county, Virginia, man. You can yeah. do just about anything you want to out well, there. I guess Except, it's a question of what you can get away with and what the authorities would disapprove of if they knew of it. It's a line. It, you don't want to wake up with a dead hooker or a live little boy. Well, it gets better. You know, you you, you, you scroll down a little bit, and then there's a graph here. Says, um, yeah. um, what does it say? This is uh, a real TLDR so, for me, but go ahead. What yeah, say? Um, apparently, the men drove up and came walking towards her in search of their drone. Oh, no, says, when, when, the, when the men began to walk towards her, she told them squarely, quote, The police are up here in the plains and they are on their way, and you need to leave. Next paragraph. The men complied, quote, they got in their fancy, ostentatious car. I don't know if it was a Range Rover or a Hummer and left, she said. Okay. I, uh, okay. So, so uh, um, what's that? I like the line as she recycled the drone, but still managed <laughs> to get irritated by the debris. She had two flats on her tractor, but the, the lady knew what she was doing. She used number seven and a half bird shot. Is in that, that twenty right? gauge, is that the appropriate that, ammunition for drone shooting? For, that, that's what's used for uh, small birds and uh, trap and skeet. Okay. You know? Although some guys that shoot uh, trap use number eights and nines if they're shooting the sixteen yard line mm -hmm. real close. Yeah. Yeah. Puts the, more lead in the air. That's the picture. Now and they're they're quick in this story to point out that this illustration, this this photo that they used, is not of the actual uh, incident, um, but it does show a woman standing in a field aiming a shotgun at the sky um and it looks oh. very it looks very trap shooting kind of uh, skeet shooting kind of uh, over and under is gonna choice for doubles yeah. that's right is that that's okay right. all right yeah that's right i i, I um I, you, this is so not so not aviation you guys sound like you know something about skeet shooting do you i don't i know people who do yeah uh -huh. 
I always spent, thought it might be an interesting thing to do. I promise I'd be embarrassed by missing constantly. I don't know. It's just don't shoot someone in the face. Well, oh well, okay, oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> Most of the weekends until I had a car and a driver's license, I spent with my dad at some gun club or another where he was a, uh, a, a very high level trap shooting competitor. Hmm. Uh, in what they call 16s or singles. That's the closest you get to the trap house and handicap. That's where the distance from the trap house you go goes up as your shooting average goes up. Mm-hmm. And uh, 27 yards was the farthest back. That's where my dad shot from for most of his life was 27 yards and handicap. Uh, and he'd, he'd come home from a really winning weekend and be ecstatic that he'd won the Lewis purse and uh, maybe won the trophy, but damn, it's going to cost him another yard. <laughs> They're going to oh, push okay. him back. Oh, I see. Uh, they, they move you back based on, that's the handicap. I see. Okay. Yeah, that's the handicap. And uh, when I got old enough, I sat out in the trap house and put targets on the machine that throws the birds. And when I got a little older, I started being the guy that pushed the button and kept the scores. Okay. And, uh, did you shoot I got two or did you? 18 or 19. I shot two summer seasons. Uh, my best was 96 out of 100 uh, shooting a 20 yard handicap hmm. and ni- 95 out of 100 shooting 16s that same weekend. But my average was really lousy, like 60 something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it'd be an interesting sport, an interesting pursuit. I just uh, have never, it's not. I don't know. If maybe I'm, I'm going to say something that's perhaps just ignorant, but skeet shooting's not big in New England. I don't know. It probably is. I, I it's probably is. It's not in my world, anyways. I, yeah, I, yeah. And, uh, so I don't know. Anyways, I, I think it's bigger in New England than you think it is. It probably is. It probably is because I did discover that there's a. I don't know why I've thought of this. There's a curling um, thing down the road from where I live. So uh, you know, uh, there's there's you know a curling court, a curling, curling range. You know, the ice. No, the ice. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 throw I, a rock yeah, down yeah. the. Which, you throw a rock and you try to. It's like shuffleboard, but with big, big. Sh- uh, um, yeah, on ice. Yeah, big yeah. rocks. Rock, big ice. rocks and, and yeah. a broom. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah, so, yeah. right. With and and funny slippers, so you can walk and slide on the ice. Yeah, yeah. I, they must be funny slippers. They must have grips. We are so far afield here. This is just unbelievable. We should um, start all over again. It, no, it's no. one of my favorite sports during the Winter Olympics. <laughs> I confess. Uh, well, yeah. Well, yes, it is. I, Mine, too, a little bit. Um, well, I don't know what to say about this, but uh, Jennifer Youngman uh, uh, from uh, Plain- the Plains, Virginia. Um, okay, you know, don't fly your drone. Over she wins property. this week's drone handicap trophy. There you go. That's right. Uh, That's right. In, in, in the 20-gauge division. There you go. And and although I'm sympathetic to her not liking, liking these things flying over her property, i just not comfortable with people shooting at aircraft. Please don't do that. All right? That's all I have to say about this. Except well, it it is it is against federal law to shoot at something like the stuff we fly. Yeah, it's uh, probably even, against, even if you're down yeah. too low. Yeah, and, it's and, probably against some law somewhere to shoot at it, as she did yes, too. Yes. Um, um, I don't know everything there is to know about Fauquier County, um, but uh, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. Yeah. Except that it's a fun county name to say. And, uh, well, and, and, and the guys weren't going to file a complaint because they didn't want to get in trouble for getting caught doing something that may not have been legal what yeah. they were doing. Yeah, so. well, who knows? Maybe they're up to some sort of nefarious something or other, you know? So Well, uh, apparently this, is, um, this property is near or adjoins that of um, actor Robert Duvall, who's from that area. I did see that in the story, yes. And so she thought that they were paparazzi snooping on her neighbor. And she possibly. Just possibly. being a good neighbor. It's just yeah. a neighborly thing to do. She you know, although, down the drones. You, know, you know, there might be, a, there might have been a time where pictures of Robert Duvall out by the pool would have gotten some money. But these days, I'm not so sure that would be the case. Oh, well, okay. On that note. Welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace. Yeah, we, we should start all over again. The General as, Aviation as would, Podcast. As, as, as they would say at the trap range, pull. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Jack Hodgson, <laughs> and I'm coming to you from high atop Lookout Point in uh, beautiful uh, Nottingham, New Hampshire. A uh, beautiful day here. Fall's kind of taking hold. It's chilly, chilly in the morning, but nice in the afternoon, and the leaves are starting to fall slowly. It's not really, we haven't really seen color yet, but I'm seeing a few leaves falling, so it's it's 
getting to be that time of year up here in, in New England. And so, uh, so, Jack, who would you call if somebody did that there at, at Lookout Point? Would you call the sheriff of Nottingham? Yeah, so, yes, you would, as a matter of fact. You would call, well, you would call the sheriff of Rockingham, strictly speaking. Uh, there's a uh, building development n- uh, nearby. I drive by on my way uh, in from town that's uh, called itself Sherwood Forest. We, I think that's going a little too far. I'm here talking to my two good friends in our virtual hangar. Uh, 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 the uh, the uh, I don't know how to who to start with or how. Uh, Dave Higdon is out there. David, uh, Wichita, Kansas. What's going on? Well, I haven't seen any drones go down on planes lately, but uh, it's been, a, been 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 a good week. The usual stuff going on, uh, pushing a rock up the hill and trying to keep from getting ro- uh, rolled over by it. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, uh, the, uh, I wasn't going to say, uh, Charlotte would take care of the drones out there. She'd just, you know, but she'd do one of those Frisbee jumps and grab it out of the air. And, uh, uh, she, she, she just might do that once. Once, yeah. <laughs> once. I know. Huh? <laughs> and my other good friend here in the virtual hangar coming from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida is Jeb Burnside. Hi, Jeb. What's going on? Not a whole lot. Um, no drones down here that I've seen lately, although, you know, before the show's over, and there one, might be one hovering at my window. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know. So, you know the, the hurricane missed us for the most part, and uh, uh, we're kind of at the tail end of summer, as it as it were, here in, in Florida. Another, uh, I don't know, three, four weeks of, of hot weather, and then uh, then it gets really nice, and it'll be that way through April. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's, yes. I never, I, I don't know. I have been, I haven't visited you in the summer, really, August E type of year, time of year, July, yeah. August. Um, I've probably been down to that area for events, like to Orlando area. And, yeah. Uh, it's, it's hot. It gets hot. Yeah, it, it gets hot. It gets hot. Yeah. So, anyways. What's going on in the world of aviation? There are a couple of follow-ups here. Um, last episode, I'm pretty sure it was last episode, uh, we talked about the... Uh, about uh, Santos Dumont, the uh, the aviation pioneer from Brazil, um, who uh, was getting some props from his fellow uh, uh, Brazilians as part of the uh, Olympics um, opening ceremonies, and and we were kind of defending our the honor of our Wright brothers and uh, and and talking a little bit about this, and and we were quick to say that Santos Dumont certainly was a great aviation pioneer. We got uh, email. We, did we get mail on that? We got mail from Brazil. From a listener in Brazil. Go figure. All right. A listener in Brazil. Rafael, Rafael I guess. I'm, I'm terrible at these pronunciations. Correct me if, I, if you know how. Otherwise, please just forgive me. Rafael Portillo, Portillo I'm going to say. Um, Portillo. Portillo. Um, Let me find it here. Rafael. Portillo. Uh, Portillo, yeah. yeah. He, he writes. He writes, he, he writes, hello, Captain, um, which is kind of interesting. Either could be a, a translation thing or he's addressing this to Jeb, who, as we know, is Captain Burnside now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hello, Captain, he writes. Uh, my name is Rafael Patillo, uh, and I fly a Mitsubishi MU2 at Sete Taxi Aero, uh, Brazil, which sounds like a, a, some sort of maybe commuter airline or I'm not sure what. Um, it's an air, air, air taxi operation. It is an air taxi operation. Um, he says, uh, I want to c- congratulate you on the podcast thank you very much we appreciate that um uh and then he starts to write he says he says as the question of who made the first flight um it doesn't make much difference because both have immense importance in aviation he writes he says i believe that the wright brothers were the first to fly but santos dumont he writes was the first to make a self-sustained flight that's the term he uses all right he writes that on october 23rd 1906 at bagatelle field the 14-bis or bis flew for 14-bis the 14 bis flew for a yeah, distance yeah. of 60 meters, three meters high, and won the Archdeacon Archdeacon uh, Cup, uh, which was a, a, a prize for uh, for uh, for accomplishments in aviation. Um, a multitude of witnesses uh, saw the feat. Uh, Raphael writes, and the next day, all of the press praised the historical fact. The prize money was distributed to its workers and the poor of Paris, as was the custom of the inventor. 
Um, so uh, um, that's and, and I'm I'll, I'll take him at his word. I believe that. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. guess that. So he's he's right on the money. Yeah. So you know we could talk more about the dates, but I, I don't want to, to challenge his his claim. He just gave us some more detail about this, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. October twenty three, nineteen oh six, was when. Yeah, they they did it without a catapult or without the launch assist that the Wright brothers had used at Kitty Hawk. Well, and the Wright brothers didn't get back to do that on their own until nineteen oh eight. Yeah, and I think we've actually established that they did. Didn't use the catapult at Kitty Hawk, um, right? We did that last episode. Yeah, I think we've established that the Kitty. Hawk, I was mistaken. I thought the uh, Kitty Hawk was the okay. catapult. Catapult didn't come until uh, until the field there in uh, in what's it uh, in uh, in Dayton or near Dayton. Then um, I'm blanking on the name of that field right now. But uh, so, uh, anyways, uh, thank you, Raphael, for uh, for clarifying this. He also corrected us on one thing. We talked. We, and then we were talking about embryos being a great example yeah. of, and, and uh, I, of Brazilian uh, uh, aviation stuff. And I had to dive my head back into that, and I got my my uh, license agreements confused. Yeah. I was thinking about Cessna with uh, a French company, right. Cicada, that built Cessnas under license, I believe it was. Raphael and it was writes, Piper with Embraer. Yeah. He writes, uh, related to the partnership between Embraer and Cessna, I'd like to give some comments. It was actually a partnership with Piper, uh, uh, who was in a huge crisis, he writes. Uh, in the partnership, Embraer manufactured models of Piper in Brazil, allowing a huge reduction in import costs. Several models have been renamed, he writes. For example, Piper Warrior was Embraer Carioca. Piper Aero was manufactured as Embraer Corisco, and Piper Saratoga was manufactured as Embraer Minuano. Am I even hmm. close to those? I don't know. Um, this partnership was good for both, but for Piper was even better. The time Embraer uh, at this time uh, Embraer was a state enterprise. Only after the company is privatized, there was great growth in the airline aviation area for Embraer. Um, cool. And uh, so, uh, thanks for clarifying that, and for for more information on Embraer, which I I admired Embraer for some time. I actually looked into and whether I could invest in Embraer. I thought, this, you know, because I was riding on a lot of Embraer aircraft, and I'm thinking this would be a good investment. But it's apparently, uh, it, I, it may be a public company, but it's not publicly held. It's not like at least U.S. citizens can't buy stock in it. So. Cool and Raphael, your your English mistakes are nothing to what our Portuguese mistakes would be. Exactly. exactly. Right. It, it, his exactly. last paragraph is, "I'm sorry for the English mistakes, and I really don't see any English mistakes. You're doing just fine." I don't fine. either. Yep. Thank you so much for that information, Raphael. Thanks for listening, and uh, stay in touch. Keep us uh, keep us straightened out on on the uh, Brazilian, yeah. South American, and aviation in general things. We appreciate it. What else? I think there's another follow up here while I get my little thing organized here uh well this is sort of a follow-up um the uh the uh dc uh ultralight pilot uh, um apparently well, what's the story here now I've, I've clicked to the page and it's like i'm not sure what it is now the, well uh, the story is basically laid out in the uh in the th little header there on the on the list he got released from uh, incarceration. Who, who, who are we talking about? This is Doug, Doug Hughes. Hughes. This is the guy the who flew his gyrocopter onto the mall in D.C. as a, a social, as a political protest. And he did that when? Uh, a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he had been uh, uh, either found guilty or pled guilty and sentenced to some sort of house arrest, is what we thought. And apparently, he has concluded that sentence. And. Uh, um, and, and he's out now and, and continuing to, to wave the flag, if you will, for this matter that he thinks is important. Um, he has published uh, the, uh, the text of the letters that he was carrying on his, ultra, on his gyrocopter um, in, in an attempt to deliver them to members of Congress. So uh, he's, he's still, he's still uh, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, waving the flag, I guess, is, is as good a metaphor as any for uh, his belief that, uh, that campaign finance is, is broken. Well, the, the the letter really, the letter is not raving and ranting. It's sane, logical, calm, uh, and it's kind of a pity he didn't get a chance to follow through. Uh, and I'm not going to claim that following through and being able to deliver this to all 535 members of Congress would change anything vis-a-vis -vis how they stand now. But it's an interesting letter and bears reading. That's why I hung it on there mm -hmm. so yeah mm -hmm. and the guy's paid his debt to society hopefully his life will go back to normal and i don't know did they did they bar him from flying anymore i don't know are, are you able maybe i don't know 
I'm not sure about that. Um, Google all this. Um, there's a bunch of links, but the most recent one, uh, yeah, let's try Washington Post from April of 16. <clears throat> um, um, let's see. He got um, four months in prison back in April. Uh, you're telling me he just got out is, is, is what this was about. I, I thought that's what, um, what the, 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 the hook here was. Um, pled guilty, one, fel one felony count of flying without an airman certificate. Um, let's see. Uh, if he'd had just kept a gyro, uh, part 103 legal. Yeah, that's, yeah, that was yeah. really he because he had a <clears throat> that was to that it, was that it. was a big food bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyways, we'll put a link to the stuff in the show notes if anyone wants to wants to dig into it a little bit more deeply. Another follow up here. Um, it, it never ceases to amaze me that people actually listen to this podcast, uh, <laughs> and so. So, um, again, and I believe the last episode or one before that, um, we were having a little fun, if you will, at the expense of a, uh, of a, of a uh, I want to call him a daredevil. I, I mean that with respect. Um, who, an, extreme, an extreme sports participant, There you perhaps. go. Who uh, jumped from a, a, an airplane without a parachute in, in an attempt successful to land in a net uh, at ground, more or less ground level. Um, and, uh, and, and we were just kind of like, you know, having fun at this and talking about how crazy this seemed and, and whatnot. All right. Well, who happens to be a listener to this podcast, but, and apparently not the actual jumper guy. All right. But a friend of his who was part of his support crew. All right. Um, a guy by the name of Tim Rigby. Um, and I say his last name because he's, he's a, he's a bit of a celebrity himself being a professional stuntman. Um, Tim, Tim Rigby, uh, sent us an email. Uh, where he writes, Hello, Jack. He says, I've been listening to UCAP since the beginning. Love the show. I worked on the Heaven Sent project. That was the name of this jump project, where my friend Luke Akins <sighs> made the jump from 25,000 feet without a parachute and safely landed in the net. Uh, if you would like, he says, I'd be glad to share with how he, how he pulled his own. We may have him get on the podcast at some point. Yeah, but yeah. right now, we, we just kind of like wanted to share that he uh, he, he wanted to, to stand up for his friend and say this wasn't quite as crazy as you think. Um, in, the letter, in the email here, he says, on the podcast, you all had the exact reaction I would have had if I were not privy to the very scientific way that this was executed. It seemed insane, foolish, pointless, and the stuff of a crazy daredevil. Make no mistake, it was a very daring stunt, he writes, but if you allow me to share the details, you may have a slightly different perspective. Um, it was a very aviation-centric endeavor, he writes. Uh, Luke, the jumper, um, is also a very experienced pilot. He owns a Cessna, owns a Cessna 180, um, and a Cetabria, as well as a third, he, as, as well as a, sounds like he is a third-generation skydiver with 17,000 hmm. jumps. Um, there was a lot of aviation technology utilized on the project, as well as numerous pilots working in various capacities. So apparently, you know, I mean, and I, a lot went into it. It wasn't a wildly yeah. reckless uh, endeavor. Um, it, it was, uh, uh, you know, very fairly cra carefully crafted, um, and it worked. So I guess there you go, right? I, I'd, I'd love, I'd love to have them, uh, both of them on. Yeah, yeah. And, and if absolutely. you take a look at timrigby.com. Uh, yeah, and, and we did reach out that, to Tim. And 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 uh, and we weren't able to schedule it very precisely at the immediately. So we're going to keep talking with him and see if we can find a time we can get him on the telephone and, and talk to him a little bit, Tim, and maybe Luke Akins as well. But uh, Tim's the listener, and that's you know he he gets right. the first shot yeah. if you ask me. Yeah. Um, TimRigby.com. Um, what were you saying, David? I said it would be fun to have them both on. I checked out his website, uh, Tim Rigby's website. And uh, Luke Akins, and uh, we've never had anybody on with remotely similar job descriptions, so they'd be fun. <laughs> it would be pretty interesting. It would be pretty interesting. Um, one bit of administrative thing I just want to jump in here with. Um, so for over a year now, we've been getting uh, generous support from many listeners who have made per-episode contributions through the online service Patreon. Uh, throughout this fall, uh, we here at UCAP are going to try to increase the number of listeners who support the podcast in this way. Uh, with increased financial support, we'll be able to produce the podcast on a little more regular schedule and maybe even do more field reporting from aviation events around the country. To encourage listeners to become patrons 
and maybe sweeten the deal a little bit, uh, we've defined our first reward level on Patreon. Uh, now patrons who support the podcast at a level of $3 or more per episode will receive an exclusive short after-show podcast of the three of us chatting after the episode. Uh, in this special episode, we might review our discussion of some subject we covered in the regular episode. We might answer some questions from listeners. We might just babble on for a bit about who knows what. Time will tell. Uh, but to receive this special episode, go to the Patreon site and support us at $3 or more per episode. And make sure you check the box that's or the button um, that says receive reward. Uh, and uh, as always, thanks to everyone for listening and for supporting the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast. Uh, moving on here. Um, so, uh, a big movie opened this weekend, the uh, Sully movie, the, the, the Clint Eastwood-directed uh, uh, telling of the uh, Miracle on the Hudson, if you will, um, event of a few years back when uh, the, uh, the uh, Airbus lost both engines on takeoff from LaGuardia and, and uh, amazingly uh, managed to uh, ditch successfully into the Hudson River. Um, and... Uh, and uh, so, but now, d- who put this on the list? One of you is saying, so one of you pointed us to an article, which you'll see from, was well, from my earthlink or earthlink.net, enewsearthlink.net, safety recommendations unfulfilled seven years after flight. It's an, it's an, a, it's an AP story. It's an AP well, story. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, was this you, Jeb? Or, yeah. I'll what, put it up what, there. What's notable yeah. about this story? Well, the, the AP story uh, by our favorite aviation writer, John Lowy, um, says um, of the 35 recommendations made by the NTSB in aftermath of the, the, the Sully episode, the Miracle on the, on the Hudson episode, only six have been successfully completed, according to the AP's review of uh, NTSB records. Um, 14 of those 35 recommendations are marked by the NTSB as closed, unacceptable response. One of them was withdrawn and the rest remain unresolved. So the, the article is trying to contrast um, uh, the extent to which, if any, the FAA has responded to uh, the findings uh, from the NTSB's investigation. Yeah. I haven't seen Have you either of you seen this movie yet? Not seen the movie. Just opened. Not yet. Yeah, it just, um, I saw another story someplace that suggested that the NTSB representatives, and I don't know if it was actually the NTSB or if it was just some NTSB people, um, were unhappy with the way NTSB was portrayed in the movie. I don't know what that means. Well, I, I haven't seen the film. I did see the trailer. Mm-hmm. I did watch the trailer. And um, it was... One scene I remember from the trailer uh, was uh, apparently in the aftermath and where the NTSB or some investigators, be they uh, airline or, or FAA or NTSB or whatever, were interviewing the crew and uh, were kind of like, well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? You know, kind of thing. Um, and why didn't you try to land at an airport or et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure a lot of that happened. Uh, that's just the nature of that beast. Uh, how they were portrayed in the movie and why NTSB investigators as a group or or several of them individually uh, might be complaining, I have no, no idea. No, I, I just, I don't know if it's justified or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. So I, 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 I just put that on there because it was, you know, it's topical right now. The movie's just been released, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it would have been better if they hadn't hit the birds. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Just saying. What's this? This is oh, this is the actual accident report that you've linked us to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Loss of thrust in both engines after encountering a flock of birds and subsequent dis- ditching on the Hudson River. Yeah. So, um, is that common, by the way? So, um, not all of the recommendations have been embraced. I mean, how does that usually work? <laughs> It's fairly common. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it uncommon. I wouldn't call it common. Um, it depends not, on the record. Go ahead. That's just not unusual. Uh, yeah. I've never known a case where the FAA jumped up and said, "Yes, we're going to do everything you recommended to the NTSB." Uh, it doesn't work that way. Well, and, you know, uh, recommendation number one from the NTSB is always don't crash. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> so after that, you kind of have to to pick and choose. But um, you know, they went into things like um, uh, this, this particular airplane happened to have life preservers on it. A, a normal domestic service uh, transport category aircraft might not have life preservers and a life raft and all that stuff on it if it wasn't designed to be used for overwater routes mm-hmm. or it wasn't equipped, I should say, to be used for overwater routes. Um, so that you know that got into some of it. There's some of it about uh, um, the checklists weren't all that uh, helpful. Uh, engine restart checklist um, is you know several pages and it's reprinted in the in the accident report itself. And you you don't have time to go through all of that in, in an emergency like this. You got I don't know how many minutes it was. They were at. 2,000 feet or something like 2,200, 2,300 feet when they hit the birds. Uh, maybe they maybe they got up to 2,500 on inertia, but that was about it. And um, the the power off glide speed is like you know 200 something knots, and you're going to get um, say 1,500 foot per minute down or something like that. Do the math. How much time you have? Right. Yeah. Okay. Do the math. So uh, check out the movie. I, I've heard. Well, I've heard that it, it did well, you know, ticket sales wise. Um, yeah. And it's Tom Hanks. So there you go. Um, I don't know what that means. Well, I don't know if that makes it a good aviation movie or makes it an accurate telling of an aviation story. But well, so, you know, someone did a meme where you know you you don't want to travel with Tom Hanks. Yeah, I know Tom. Hanks. You know, where there, there was there was Castaway. Uh, there were all these uh, uh, all these other movies um, right. where uh, there's there's something bad happens with his transportation. I know. Uh, the, oh, airport. I mean, no, 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 not an airport, but what, what terminal where he he terminal, he's stranded. Yeah. He's stranded at an airport. He is the country he departs from is, is no longer in existence. I know his passport's no good. He can't get out of the airport. You don't want to travel with Tom Hanks. Tom and Tom and the volcano, or whatever that movie was called, where he um, Joe and the volcano. Joe and the volcano. Right. Yeah. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. It, it, it all goes back to when he couldn't get a place to live and had to dress up like a woman. I think it's like you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and he got Does off that. Even get that he, reference. He, he got off that plane there at Dulles with wearing only one red shoe that time. I don't know what that means. Is that a, is that is that another story? It's an, oh man, I have to explain my jokes. Uh, there was a movie called The Man with One Red Shoe. Oh, okay, all right. I, I'm sorry, I don't get that pop reference, yeah. but I'm sure it's very, very clever. I bet anything, but it's very clever, and I'll get it. And I, it, as so, is so often the case, when I'm post-producing this episode and listening to it, I, I will laugh out loud. I'll just get it like crazy. Um, so there's an organization called Friends of the Earth, right. which to me should be just warning bells going off already all right but but friends of the earth um is is up in arms because of the uh, environmental damage that aviation fuels are doing particularly lead aviation fuels um what's the story here i mean what why is well this is just the latest uh, salvo or the latest iteration in the ongoing um quest to to uh replace um what is a leaded aviation gasoline mm-hmm. with an unleaded version. And this has been going on, I don't know, maybe six, eight years now. Um, and the, uh, the friends of the earth has, uh, um, back in early September, right before labor day, um, if, if, no, released a new report about lead in the environment and blamed uh, Avgas as one of the major sources for that. And it's probably all true. Uh, I'm not doubting their methodology. I'm not doubting their numbers. Um, But uh, some of the things in here I do doubt. um, And uh, some of their conclusions are not practical. Uh, Basically, they just want, you know, leaded aviation gasoline to disappear uh, and with very little thought to the consequences of that or or with what to replace it. Right, but hasn't this been litigated already? Didn't California go through this whole thing and, and establish that, that they're just 
that although it is technically true that leaded aviation gas adds to the damage to the environment, but that there is just so little aviation gas being burned in the scheme of things that it's just not, you know. Well, that's certainly part of the, the, the answer to, to the dilemma here. And I don't, you know, um, uh, the, the punchline is that the industry is, is working very hard, all things considered, yeah. uh, given its resources, to come up with alternative fuels. We, we, every year at Oshkosh, we get a, uh, a detailed update on the PAFI initiative, and, and I forget what PAFI stands for. Uh, it's, um, um, come on, David. You're good at this stuff. Yeah. Um, but the punchline is that uh, uh, in cooperation with the FAA and engine manufacturers and um, the uh, the oil companies and a bunch of other people, um, there's a, an alternative fuels um, a program underway. It's it's fuels are being tested at. Uh, we talked about this a few episodes back where we we were talking about Swift fuels, mm-hmm. and you and remember Jack, you were talking about how initially uh, the Swift fuel was supposed to be all green, all from uh, from plant matter, right. Uh, and now yep. biofuel, yeah, and now it appears that uh, there will be at least some component of fossil fuels involved in, in the composition of Swift fuel. And that's just part of the evolution of, of coming up with an alternative. At Oshkosh this year, there was a, uh, I got pictures of it, there was a truck, uh, a fuel tanker, um, uh, five, 500 gallon tanker or something like that, um, uh, holding Swift fuel and, and, and you know, painted up like that and, and all this kind of thing. The problem isn't so much coming up with <clears throat> an unleaded fuel. We can do that right now. It's called unleaded avgas. Um, it won't, it's not compatible with, I'm sorry, we call it unleaded MOGAS. Um, um, as long as it doesn't have alcohol in it, you can, there's a lot of airplanes it can be used in. Right. But there's a lot of other airplanes it can't be used in because the octane level's too high. I mean, the octane level's too low. Um, and uh, that's the, 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 the crux of the biscuit, is trying to find a fuel that all of these aircraft can use. And why do we need one single fuel that all of these aircraft can use, might you ask? And the answer is we don't have the infrastructure to have multiple fuels serving uh, um, piston engine aircraft. Mm-hmm. Years ago, when I was first learning to fly and first working the, the, the line at the local airport, we had 80 octane and we had 100 octane. Right. Um, we don't have those choices anymore. It's 100 low lead or nothing. Mm-hmm. Some some airports, bless their soul, have have MoGas pumps, uh, but those are relatively few and far between. Yeah. Um, and not only do we have to have a fuel um, that passes all the certification tests that can reliably be burned with the same characteristics and generating hopefully the same uh, uh, horsepower in these existing engines, it has to um, work well with the air, the fuel systems in the airplanes. It has to um, be relatively inexpensive, or at least at least cost competitive, and it has to mix with hundred low lead because there's going to be a transition period. Uh, it has to mix with hundred low lead already in your fuel tank when there is no more hundred low lead. Mm-hmm. There's all of these different uh, considerations, and fixing this takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally grok uh, FOE's uh, uh, impatience. Um, but um, we're working. Uh, well, in my answer to friends of the earth is it this is a good time to push up the fundraising effort because of all the attention Flint, Michigan's gotten over lead in their water supply. So then the FAA releases its report on the uh, Piston Aviation Fuels Initiative at Oshkosh back in July, uh, July twenty. Five or twenty-six, if memory serves, and so what a good time to check up the fundraising by screaming and moaning that the uh, Pappy program isn't moving fast enough. Oh my God, there's still lead out there. Sixteen million people are being exposed to it. You know, the whole world is exposed to it, uh, and it's going to continue to be exposed to it because you can't get lead out of everything everywhere completely. Uh, 
it's a nice idea, but it's like arsenic. It, 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 it occurs in nature, so that's not going to happen. Uh, so I'm a little bit cynical about the whole thing. They know that this is going on. They know that their, their uh, screed won't make it move any faster. But, you know, everybody's got a budget to meet, and yes, I am that <laughs> cynical about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, pop quiz. What were the colors? I, I well, I, you know, to, to, let, me, let me close real quick. Yeah. Did anybody ever stop and think what would happen to all these lobbying groups if they ever actually solved the problem that they started <laughs> around? They'd all they'd go out of business one by one, and you know that none of them are in the business of putting themselves out of business. So this this just continues. And yes, once again, I am not cynical. Now I'll shut up. Jeff, uh, you're talking about the days I when... I can't follow that. We yeah, should just have a, I'm not even just have a break for, for something here. Yeah, I'm not even going to try. Jeff, you talked about the days when there were multiple fuels available uh, at your local airport. Um, and I kind of remember that even when I started flying. You've been flying a bit longer than me, but I remember that too. And and thus, the fuels are colored so that you can, at the time that you test your sample your fuel, you can confirm that you've been fueled with the right stuff. Uh, uh, so uh, 100 low lead is blue. I think we're all still familiar right. with that. Right, right. Um, you mentioned 80. What, what color was 80? Red. Okay. Yeah, it was red. Yeah. I, and there, I, was a, there was 100, 130, which was um, not a low lead. It was, uh, uh, I don't know what, how you would refer to it as, a full complement of lead maybe. Um, and what color uh, was it? Was, it was green. Yeah, the, the, the little cheat sheet chart I'm looking at right now, which is just a quick Google search, suggests that green was simply 100 octane avgas. Right, um, right. The, the, back in that day, in, in, in 80 octane actually was 80, 87 octane. And it was a, there was a spread, allow, an allowable spread right. for the spec. Some of that had to do with the temperature. Some of that had to do with uh, um, perhaps the engine's characteristics. But the the minimum spec on 80-octane fuel was, in fact, 80-octane. 100-130 has the same spread, although of a slightly greater uh, uh, proportion. Yeah. Uh, and its minimum octane had to be 100. There was also a 145. Really? Okay. Uh, back in the day. It was purple. Oh. Uh, I never saw any 145. Okay. Um that, that it, was for really high-performance engines. Right. That was mainly uh, World War II era, um, uh, Korea era fuel um, for, you know, things like Merlins and big radials yeah. um, uh, before the turbine engine came along. Right, right. And then jet fuel is what color? Clear to straw color. There you go. There you go. Of course, though, you, you don't identify jet fuel by the color. You, you identify it by the yeah. aroma. The aroma and uh, like, whether it leaves, you know, you, you drip like, a little bit on a white paper towel, and if it leaves an oil, oily residue, it's jet fuel. I see. Yeah. I was going more along the lines of uh, the jet fuel it smells like victory. Um, but that's No, that's, that's napalm. Oh, it's napalm. Well, that's jet fuel, isn't it? <laughs> no, that's, that's gasoline, actually. That's yeah. chili gasoline. Yeah, all right, gasoline. okay, yeah. all right. So, okay. No, it's, so, it's, shoot it's down it's my joke. Jet, jet noise smells like... Jet noise. <laughs> Yeah. Jet noise uh, sounds like, I should say, smells like, whew. Uh, jet noise sounds like freedom, is, is, the, is the old saying. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Now, I always love changing Whoa. subway stations at the national airport, standing outside on the mm-hmm. ramp and listening, yep. smelling the jet A. Uh-huh. Well, in, in a UCAP first, in a UCAP first, we are actually not running out of our allotted time, but we have used up the list. And so I'm going to use that as a great segue. So speaking of freedom, uh, um, okay. um, our friend Senator Inhofe um, is, uh, I don't know how this is a connection, but uh, he, That's not uh, a sec. so he's, he's like, even though we think we've sort of cracked the code, we figured out the thing on this whole uh, medical. Well, I think, I think exemption. what, I think what we're, what we're talking about here in, in the, the, uh, at least the popular media, traditional media coverage on this is just atrocious. But um, I think what's going on here, first of all, Inhofe sits on the Armed Services Committee. Yeah. And it's got a, there's a defense bill moving through Congress, um, and Inhofe's attached to it. I think the full pilot's bill of rights, too. Really? Oh, good for him. God bless him. <laughs> which is different in a, in a larger uh, set of provisions than was passed in the FAA bill right before uh, AirVenture this year. The the FAA bill only had in it 
the third class medical deregulation provisions, mm -hmm. whereas PBOR 2 has a much broader set of provisions in it uh, designed to, to benefit pilots. So is this because he has l l relatively little faith that the FAA is going to follow through, or he just can't stop? Well, um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I, I, I would never put myself in the position or, or embarrass the senator to the extent of trying to state what he's thinking. I see. Okay. <laughs> because, yeah, all right. It would be wrong. Yeah. So, hey, you know what? He, let, he's, let, 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 me, let me reference you back to a comment <laughs> I made just a few minutes ago. What happens when you solve an issue that you're going to have to... I see. So you think it, this it, is the it, senator's it, thing, and uh, he kind of regrets the day when it, when it won't be a thing anymore. Well, the, the law that was passed a couple of months ago that included, you know, the third-class medical reform and... Uh, uh, it, that has a provision in it that if the FAA hasn't published replacement regulations allowing all this stuff by the anniversary of its passage, which I believe was July 15, or when the president signed it, it was July 15, it automatically goes into effect. Yeah. He doesn't need to follow up for this. This is trying to move the, the, the goalpost a little bit farther in the name of uh, uh, liberating pilots from what he sees as an unnecessary uh, uh, regulation. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it also doesn't, doesn't hurt when it comes time to send out fundraising letters. This is also true. Yeah. Yeah. This is also true. So. Um, again, I, again I, I haven't had a chance to, uh, uh, to research what's actually in the defense bill, but uh, I'm guessing, again, it's the full, full bore, P-bore, too, as opposed to just the medical dereg subset. Okay. And, all right. We'll see. I, I mean, I, I mean, if you want to put me on pause, we'll and put it on pause. I'll go research that real quick. No, but no, no, no. You can research There's no, there's it, no, is there a link? Is there a link here? We're going to do shout outs. And uh, I don't know. There is there, a I didn't link. put it on there, the list. They put it on the list. We're going to yeah. do shout outs. And while we're doing shout outs, if you want to do some research and report back, maybe we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm going to say shout outs. Uh, what do we got here? I got a, I want a, a real quick shout out to a listener um, who uh, sent us a nice email. Um, uh, I'll warn all of us as we refer to this email that he asked us not to refer to his last name uh, in the podcast. So John M. John M. sent us a very very nice uh, email where he says uh, he, he said some very nice things about the podcast and thanked us for uh, for putting it together. But uh, I want to give him some props for uh, um, telling us a little bit about his aviation background. He talks about back in 2014 when he got a ride in an RV7 and that just inspired him and so uh he went out and looked into the cost of renting decided that wasn't going to work out uh and uh he found a partner and ordered uh, uh, the the beginnings of a kit to build a uh, zenith ch650 uh and uh, he's been working uh, on that and uh, i guess making some good progress uh, uh and then while building his kit um he just uh, found a cfi friend um, who uh, gave him flying lessons. And uh, that started, I guess, back in November of 15. And he said back in July of this year, he passed his private pilot check ride. So uh, congratulations and to John M. for, uh, for uh, his uh, aviation. Yeah, con congratulations, dude. Absolutely. Yeah. And John, you, do, you, you, did it, you did it right, man. A, a Cessna 140, way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's where he, he learned to fly in the Cessna 140 while building the uh, the Zenith CH650. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and he's closing in on the firewall forward. Yeah. So, uh, cool beans. Congratulations cool beans. to him and big shout out to him. You guys got any shout outs? What do you got? Well, first of all, yes. I, uh, I managed to research, look that story real quick. And that was another Joan Lowy uh, AP uh, story. Um uh, about about Inhoff and and uh, the defense bill and yeah that's basically what he's doing he's he's trying to get the whole pilot's bill of rights passed okay which you know P uh, board two P board two yeah excuse me yes yes yeah. yes okay um, cool I I came across this one here um in during the interim between our last episode and today yes and um, this is from that that August uh, aviation publication motherboard. Um, okay. <laughs> but it, it reports on a, um, um, new type of drone 
that uh, is is being designed to be dropped out of the back of airborne C-130s. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, before they launch it from the back of the C-130, they fill it with food. And it's designed to be dropped near uh, famine uh, uh, situations or, or refugee situations and things like that and, and land and, and uh, people can uh, uh, can take the food out of it and, and without having to transport the food there with trucks or, or even helicopters for that matter. A little bit more efficient that way. Um, and at some point they're even talking about you know, maybe doing some 3D printing on some of these things and make the aircraft itself edible. Well, now that's okay. Maybe, Honey, I ate the airplane. Yeah, all right. You know, it's like, uh, it's, I don't know. That's an interesting, I never thought of that. I didn't hear that. It's like lobsters, though. There are certain parts you can't, you're not supposed to eat. Um, yeah. It's just yeah, a bad the engines, thing. The engines and, and the fluids <laughs> might not be yeah, all that healthy for you. This, yeah. Um, um, but I don't understand. So, I mean, and I'm all for helping people who need food get food. That sounds cool. Sure. How sure. is that an improvement over simply dropping it on a parachute? I thought we'd gotten pretty good at dropping this stuff. Um, well, that's that's certainly one question. That and, and I think a parachute, a single parachute, um, would be a little bit more cost effective. Um, <laughs> parachutes can get blown off target. Yeah. Yeah. And you can program a drone thanks to the magic of GPS. To you can program a drone yeah, to, right. to land in the town ta- to, to land at the town's airport. Oh, yeah, wink, or, wink, or, wink, or, nod, nod. Like yeah. you know, where are you going to land the thing? How much? How much uh, runway does it require? Are you going to drop several of them and have them land all at the same time? You know, you, do you need a you know a controller to to manage all this? It starts to get. Uh, well, if, you order uh, your, if you order your relief supplies from Amazon, they'll, they'll, they'll drone them to your front porch, right? As long as you're not in Fauquier County, Virginia. <laughs> okay, thank you. I was waiting for somebody to make that call back. Uh, what else, David? You got any shout outs? Yeah, I got a little quickie here. I thought this would be uh, worthwhile to some of our listeners and maybe some of our listeners' children. Uh, the Flying Musicians Association, which we, a lot of us have heard playing around shows like Sun and Fun and Oshkosh and uh, various events around the country, has a uh, scholarship program for uh, juniors and seniors in high school that are members of their uh, school's band. And uh, the link will be on the uh, with the show notes. But basically, the uh, student uh, who has to be 16 by next March gets the band rec- director to recommend uh, the, the, that musician, young musician who wants to learn to fly, recommend them for this scholarship. And the Flying Musicians Association and the band directors that they work with will uh, screen them out, and someone gets. Uh, a program for flight training through solo, about 15 hours. They get assistance in obtaining their flight training materials and obtaining their flight gear. They get a free student membership to the Flying Musicians Association and a T-shirt. And they get designated as a Flying Musicians Association youth ambassador in their region and a chance to work at FMA booths at, at some of the events. Uh Hey, something that takes a takes you through solo when you're 16. Yeah, uh, that's Sign a great up. that's a great jump yeah. start on a flying career. So, yeah. moms and dads or kids that listen to the podcast that qualify and you belong to your school band, uh, here's another avenue for you to uh, get your uh, spinner in the door, if you will. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Any other shoutouts? Actually, I've got one here. I'm sorry. I was gonna I was gonna grab one of these and and uh, okay. and use it. And this is uh, what was it? Oh, just a real quickie. Um, um, we talked about this a few episodes ago. Also, this is the $500 rebate program for oh, uh, right <clears throat> for new ADSB installations. Uh, one level we talked about it in the context of my ADSB installation won't qualify because I did it too soon. Um, but uh, this kicks off, becomes formal. You can start applying for it as of September 19, according to the FAA. And, and uh, 
uh, whatnot. So, uh, you know, we, we'll keep we'll keep you posted on how this is working. But hats off to the FAA. Hats off to the industry, and it's specifically uh, uh, Aircraft Electronics Association and others who participated in in making this program come come to fruition. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Is that it? Any other shout-outs? We done? Fork time? Yeah, stick me with the fork. Okay. Yeah. I want to thank my two good friends for spending some time with me on this uh, beautiful fall afternoon. Dave Higdon is a uh, an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. David, what's going on? You been working on anything fun? Oh, several things fun, and uh, there's a couple of things that are pretty much routine and uh let's see latest stab uh the september uh avionics news i've got a couple of pieces in there out of oshkosh that uh for those that didn't go might want to catch up on and you can find that at aea.net and other than that uh, i'm on the twitter machine at uh, real higdon and avbuyer.com you can find me there my next uh, business aviation blog talks about safety devices that you can use should your uh, Galaxy Note 7 explode into flames while you're flying. I <laughs> you know you want to go there. Uh, thank you, David. Uh, that other voice, my other good friend, uh, thanks for spending some time with us. Captain Jeb, Jeb Burnside, uh, is Jeb. a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. What have you been working on, Jeb? I'm just putting the finishing touches on my uh, next column for General Aviation News. Uh, last week finished up the uh, October issue of Aviation Safety. Uh, we're talking about drones, by the way. I uh, have a, a cover article uh, in that issue. Basically, if you're if you're worried about hitting a drone, don't go where the drones are, and and kind of outline some areas where you know if there are drones around, this is where you will find them. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of uh, reverse so, on that bank robber guy, right? Uh, um, kind of like that, yeah. um, or or you know if the Willie Sutton if the, is that right? If, if, yeah, Willie Sutton. You know, if, why do you rob bank? Because that's where the money is. Um, that was that was the Willie Sutton thing. Yes, and that. so this is you know if you want to avoid drones, don't go where the drones don't go are. Where the drones are. All right. Uh, it's 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 the same basic logic. So uh, uh, that and a bunch of other stuff uh, in uh, in the October issue. Um, and that's pretty much it. Uh, trying enough. to trying to take some time off here uh, and uh, kind of lick my wounds after a fairly busy year. Yeah. Uh, so, and on the Twitter machine, it's Burnside J. Yeah. I get the feeling you're up to no good, but I mean, we maybe learn well, about that later on. But yeah, you know, you're I've always been, up to no good. But anyways. I'm always a. I'm always up to no good. B. Uh, I do have some projects that are in the works yeah. that we might be talking about sometime in the near future. Might be of. Uh, of interest to some of our listeners, but mainly I'm trying to catch up on all the the stuff yeah. around here that has been sliding for the last several months. Well, I haven't had time or energy or there you go. or uh, uh, motivation to tackle. So yeah. there you go. So where on the internet can people find out about the things that you've been working on? Uh, AviationSafetyMagazine.com, uh, GeneralAviationNews.com, AEA.net. Um, and who knows, you know, coming soon, coming to an accident site near you, who knows? I'm sorry. I didn't hear. Did you say Twitter? I did say the Twitter. You did say Twitter. Excellent. Very good. Thank you. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can follow me on Twitter, where it's twitter.com slash Jack Hodgson. Where, by the way, tooting my own horn here for just a second, uh, just the other day, I passed 5,000 followers on Twitter. Woo-hoo. All right. Yeah, I know. I think it's cool anyways. Um, And you can learn more about me than you ever really wanted to know at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Got some new projects in the works that maybe I'll start talking about when they're a little bit more likely to actually happen. Um, but uh, um, some both aviation things and non-aviation things. Uh, big thanks to uh, Jeff Ward for his help with the show notes and in the forums. Thanks to Mike Morgan, to Roy Searle, to Jim Goldman, and to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips. Please support UCAP by making a repeating per-episode donation of any size via the online service Patreon. Uh, and uh, you can get all the details about that at patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace. Uh, if you support us at $3 or more, you can be part of the uh, after show uh, uh, program and uh, receive that special episode. 
And while you're at it, you can go into iTunes and give us a review and check off some stars. It really helps get the word out um, if we get more and more visibility over there. Please follow us on Twitter, where the podcast is known as Class G Airspace. That's uh, Class, the letter G, Airspace, all one word. Uh, you never know what might turn up over there. You can listen to all of, of uh, you, all the episodes of UCAP in the free section of Sporty's Pilot Shop's mobile app, Takeoff, along with other podcasts and special Sporty's content. Get your UCAP hats, shirts, and other cool gear at the UCAP Swag Shop at uncontrolledairspace.com store. And don't forget, you can check out the rest of the UCAP website, 10 years worth of UCAP show notes and episode downloads, all there ready for the taking. And last but not least, chat with us directly and with many of your fellow listeners in the Uncontrolled Airspace forums. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, was there something you wanted to remind us about? Nothing wrong with old age, particularly if you get there by flying. And the way to do that is to fly because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. We're clear? And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. I still think it would have been better if they hadn't hit the birds. <laughs> <laughs>